Thanks, you guys. Well, good afternoon, everybody. And as we planned this service today, we just knew that in the midst of uh, the holidays and the season and the cheer and all the good stuff, if you kind of peel all that away, there's just a lot of tiredness, isn't there? There's a lot of weariness and probably, probably trying to get ready for Christmas. Anybody tired trying to get ready for Christmas? I mean, that'll just do it to you right there. Um, but really deeper than that, um, this life can just be really wearisome and a really tired thing that we have to deal with. Um, might just be busyness. It kind of is the, your burden, or some of you have just got a lot of hardship, and maybe you have conflict in your life that you're going through, and you can feel that heaviness inside that, that's making you not have the freedom that you want. For some of you, your weariness is because every single day when you wake up, there's anxiety, there's fear, there's just kind of that constant angst that lives in there. I know for me personally, I feel like a lot of my burden, a lot of my wearisome comes from just the burden of responsibility. It's just, I mean, whether it's your job or being a dad or being a mom trying to take care of the finances, I mean, just the burden of responsibility can weigh us down. I also think that sometimes we get weary because of our searching. Some of you have been on a pursuit for so long to try and find the thing, the person, the place, the whatever that's going to finally bring you fulfillment and satisfaction for your soul. And man, when you search and when you try something and you search and you try something, whew, that can just get, get really weary. And so it's Christmas time, right? And you've seen the signs everywhere, peace on earth. Wouldn't that be nice? Have a little peace? You know, a little, uh, maybe tonight, it's, it's supposed to snow tonight, isn't it? And there's nothing like a nice winter snow, right? So on your way home, grab the wood, right? Put the fire in the fireplace. Grab your hot chocolate or whatever your favorite hot drink is and just find rest for your soul. Wouldn't that be great if we could all just go home tonight, have that experience, and then somehow take that and just stick it right in our soul and just have rest? You know, the words from this song came straight from Jesus. He's the one who said, come to me. Hey, come to me. If you're weary and if you're burdened, then come to me and you can find rest for your soul. And so what I'd like to do before I actually jump into my message is I just want to pray for you. And uh, I'd, I'd invite you as well to pray uh, while I do. And um, because what we really believe here, and if you come to K2 many times, you've probably heard me say this, that uh, we could either just kind of come to the Christmas Eve service because that's what we're supposed to do at Christmas time, or we could come here with an expectation that I could lay my weary heart before God and he might actually give me rest. And if you need that, or if you know somebody who does, would you join me? And let's pray. I'd much rather go home today knowing that we actually didn't just hear about God, but we actually ran into him. Anybody else? Okay, you and me, baby. Come on, Vaughn. All right, let's go. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are here, whether we realize it or not. You are here. You promised you'd be in our presence. And so we just thank you for that, God. And, and again, for us to remember that there's not any of us that's in this room, me included, there's not one of us who's sitting in here or me standing here that you aren't crazy about. You love every person who's here. And you know their every thought. You know everything they're feeling. You know all the circumstances of their life. And God, I'm asking on behalf of everybody who's here, I'll just be the voice, but I'm asking right now that you might come to that weary place, to that burdened part of our soul, 
And as we come to you, that you just give us some rest. So Lord, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for the offer of peace on earth on whom your favor rests. We ask for it today. God, may this be a real encounter with you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, here's one of the things we need to understand. When Jesus says, come to me, and I'll give you rest, what's really, really important to understand is who initiated the conversation. Jesus does. See, when he tells you to come, he always makes the first move, and we've got to understand that. He's the one who says, now, the only reason I'm asking you to come to me is because I've already come to you, and that's what Christmas is. It's God coming into this world. And one of the key things that we find out about God during Christmas time, when you open up the scriptures and study Christmas, is that when he came, that he came to these shepherds. And now, anybody a shepherd out there? Anybody? All right, we got one shepherd right there. Yeah, actually, we don't. Nobody has an occupation as a shepherd anymore. That's just not, you know, that's just not a normal. There are around the world, but probably not in Salt Lake, as far as I know. So we don't really understand shepherds very much. Let me fill you in a little bit on what it was like to be a shepherd during that day. You worked really hard, you had very long hours, you didn't get paid very much at all, and you got absolutely no recognition for your work, okay? Let's just start there. Anybody else remember, anybody else relate to that? Okay, good, okay, well, at least we can go there. Now, they didn't get to go home to their family when the day was done. I mean, they had to sit out in the field and sleep with these stinky sheep. And there was a stereotype during that day that when a person thought about a shepherd, pretty much you were thinking in the same class as a thief, I mean, there was no honor and no respect for this occupation. In fact, as, as you study more and people who, uh, who understand that culture, that even in the Jewish culture at that point, you'd be ceremonially unclean because of your job. That dirty jobs thing was true to the point where because of the work that you were doing, you couldn't even go to the temple to offer your sacrifices for weeks. So then you were despised by all the, all the Orthodox religious people of that day. These are the shepherds. <laughs> right? That we sing about all the time at Christmas time. These were the guys who are saying, nobody cares about what I do. Nobody trusts me. Nobody even knows who I am. And I'm telling you, you want to feel some burden or some anxiety or some sense of lack of fulfillment? It was probably happening in the shepherd's life. And what we're going to look at today is this, a story where people who needed rest for their soul found it, and they found a whole lot more when they had a brush with greatness. And maybe you could have a brush with greatness too. Now, how many of you have had a brush with greatness? Anybody out there? Wow, more of you need to get out. So, uh, but, uh, you know, I've had a How many of you have been to the Grand Canyon? Anybody been to the Grand Canyon? Was that not a brush with greatness? I mean, I'll never forget being down in Phoenix at some friend's house, and I, I borrowed their car and went by myself, and I drove up to the Grand Canyon. And if you've never been there... I don't care how many pictures you've seen or videos or DVDs. It's just not the same. And you get there and you go to the south rim and you come over the ledge and you look and it is an unbelievable experience to have a brush with greatness like that. In fact, you know something's great when two years later I went to the same canyon and it was still amazing. <laughs> you know, I expected that time to go, well, I've already seen it, no big deal. No, no, still a big deal. I mean, this is an unbelievable thing. So sometimes we have a brush with greatness with just the creation around us, and then sometimes we have a brush of greatness with a person. I, I remember back when I was in college, I was visiting my sister and my brother-in-law in New Jersey, and we went into New York City. And we were walking down the road, just kind of, you know, enjoying the whole big, huge New York City scene. And my brother-in-law goes, hey, did you guys see Jacqueline Smith? I'm like, Jacqueline Smith? Now, you guys need to understand, I grew up as an elementary kid in the 70s, right? 
Charlie's Angels, anybody? Yeah, now that's great right there. And so immediately when I heard Jacqueline Smith, I'm like, I turned and I walked all the way back down the street and then, you know, nonchalantly walked by just to see Jacqueline Smith. Now that's great, right? She's only about this tall, by the way, you know, so. But anyway, this, this brush with greatness, but really uh, a little more great than that was, I remember I took some kids uh, when I was working with a uh, youth ministry to a conference in Washington, D.C. in uh, 1984. And uh, didn't know it as we were all sitting there, but they announced that the president was actually going to come and be there. And I'm not a real big political guy. And I'm like, well, that'd be cool, though. I've never seen the president of the United States. And, and so all of a sudden, you know, it's time for him to come on. And who was it? Ronald Reagan. Okay, Ronald and Nancy Reagan, right? And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. And all, but when the music started, dun, 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 and they came out on the stage. I'm telling you, it was just really, I found myself, I just rose up and I just started applauding and I'm like, what am I doing? I don't even really care. But I, but it, but I did, it was like, this is the most powerful dude in the world. And when you're around greatness, something just happens to you. Okay, what I am going to share with you this afternoon is something that none of us can really understand how great this was. A brush with greatness. Wow. If you want to be envious, be envious of this. Let's read it together, okay? It happens in Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 8. It says this. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, and they were keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And then suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, and they praised God, and they said, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, here we go, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Okay. As many times as you've read that, if you've never heard it before, I don't think there's any way that we can really understand this. I'm going to do my best after sitting with this thing for a week or two to try and help us get a picture of what this was like. And let me start with this. Let's start in heaven. Let's go all the way to heaven. Can you imagine what it was like? So angels, right? Angels are here in the story. What angels did is 24-7, they worship and they glorify God. That's what they do. I mean, if anybody understands what God is like, it's the angels. They know, they know how holy he is and how good he is and righteous and powerful. And I always imagine the day where all of a sudden God just goes, hey, guys, come on, come on, come here. I want to tell you something. I'm actually going to go down and save the world. Yeah. Awesome, God, that's, that's great. And then, then I can just imagine God saying, and guess what? I want you to be the ones to tell the world that I'm coming. Oh, this is great, right? So we sing songs about this all the time. Glory to God, glory to God. Not bad, huh? So, yeah, but, but there's this sense where you can imagine, I always picture all these angels practicing, you know, this, this song that they were going to sing, and that's what it was. And so, and so you look at this, and then the day finally comes. And it's their chance to break into this weary, broken, pain-filled world that's dying and just being abused. And they are the ones that get to tell them that a Savior's coming. And so what do they do? This whole host gets ready, and the time's right. Heaven splits omen, and they go to sing, and who's there? 
Three little lousy shepherds? That's supposed to be funny. I, I, I mean, you guys got to understand. See, the fact that you don't even laugh at that means you don't get the humor of this story. I'm telling you, what is the deal? See, one of the things you need to know is in all through Scripture, whenever an angel showed up, it was always an angel. Okay? It was one. And it was that way here too. An angel of the Lord showed up, started talking to them. But then what happened? Suddenly, a grand number of the heavenly hosts. And again, we go with our English language, we go, heavenly hosts. What's that? You know, does that mean they have like towels over their arms, right? Because they're the host, you know? No, do you, see, we don't get it. You know what a heavenly host was? What they should have wrote were it was the armies of heaven. A grand company of the armies of heaven showed up. You guys seen the Lord of the Rings? See, that's what it was like. It was a grand company of armies like that. And these three little dudes, or, or however many, were sitting out in a field and nobody even cares who they are. And all of heaven breaks through and that's who they tell? That God's coming? I'm telling you, man, there is something that we need to understand about God. That tells us something about him. I'm going to tell the world I'm coming. You guys right there. Nobody else cares about you. I care about you. Now, here's the other thing we need to understand. It says that when the angels came, the glory of God shone around them. Anybody know what the glory of God is? I remember years ago, if you read the Bible, glory is everywhere in this thing. So I was like, well, what is it really? Here's what it is. Here's my best definition of glory. Glory is the objective reality of God's presence whenever he shows up. Whenever God works, it's not a subjective experience. It's not like, hey, I think I feel something. Do you feel something? No, I don't feel, oh, okay. No, when God shows up, it is an objective reality. And what did the angels need to say to him? What did they need to say to the shepherds when the glory of the Lord showed up? They had to say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I mean, these guys were freaking out. Would you have freaked out? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, we all would have freaked out. And they say, they say, don't, and here's what's great. In all of the Bible, whenever God shows up, you know what happens? The people freak out. And then his next words have to be, don't be afraid. Okay. All right, here we go. Grasp this one for me. I believe with all of my heart that it is absolutely no different today. It is no different. Now, I do not expect our roof to fly off and have angels flutter in here. I'm not expecting for the armies of heaven. I've been praying for them, but I'm not, well, I guess I don't have much faith. But I've been praying, but I don't expect the armies of heaven to show up tonight. Do you? Anybody there? No. But I can tell you this. When God makes himself real. When he shows up and he makes himself real, it is glorious in its own right. It is the same type of experience. And you know what he has to say to you? He has to say to you, hey dude, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now can I just say, this is where it's a real mystery to me. Because I know a lot of you sitting out there have never had that experience. You just never have. Just like the, if you could hear the drama, 
is just like the shepherd was saying, I don't just go because of this light. Now there's something inside of me that's drawn me. See, because God doesn't show up necessarily with angels with his glory anymore. What he does now is he rips open your heart and he comes into your heart. And I'm telling you, if you've ever had this, you just know. You know something supernatural is going on because you aren't making this up. You couldn't make this up. You know that it's very, and here's the point. It's really scary to encounter God. It really is. Because when you actually encounter God, now listen, please understand me. I'm not saying when you go to church, okay? Because you can go to church your whole life and never encounter God, okay? So not talking religion here. I'm talking when the God who enters the world enters your heart. It's scary. Because he is way more than you bargained for. He just is. And you know why it's so scary? Because you know that once you start to sense him in here, if you actually engage with him, you will never be the same again. And somehow you know that. And that freaks you out. Those of you chuckling have had the experience. And here's the deal, you guys. So 2,000 years ago, God shows up and his glory comes and the shepherds are freaking out. Don't be afraid. And I believe with all my heart, and we've been praying so hard for you, that even on this day or maybe tomorrow when you're with your family or the 28th and you're, whenever, it doesn't matter. But at some point in your life, I believe that if you'll be like a shepherd, okay, if you'll just be lowly and not proud and open up your heart to God, I believe with all my heart he's going to show up someday. And he's going to say, don't be afraid. Now, why not? Why not be afraid? And what do the shepherds say? Because, man, I've got good news. I, I, I know we're scary and all that, but, but uh, don't freak out. Don't be scared because I actually have really good news. Look at this. In verse 10, the angel said to him, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is Christ the Lord. Awesome. There was a great revelation. There was a brush with greatness. Any of you guys get good news this year? Anybody get some good news this year? A few of you? Yeah, wow, quite a few of you. That's awesome. You guys are way more good than the first two services. Um, I had some really good news uh, this year. I, I had a new doctor, and so I went to a general physical, and he looked at my history, my medical. I, I do not have good genes. My mom passed away from cancer. My dad had heart attacks. And so they, he said, man, you know what? I want to do some work on your carotid artery and find out if it's okay and all that. So they did this test on my carotid artery, and um, I, I got a call about an hour and a half later. I go home. An hour and a half later, they call me up and they say, hey, well, you know, the technician found something on your thyroid when they were doing your carotid artery, and so they decided we went ahead and set up an appointment for you to get an ultrasound. I'm like, you did what? Do, do you guys ever, do your doctors set appointments for you? I mean, they, not me. I mean, it's like, they tell you what's wrong, then you got to set up the appointment. I'm like, okay, you called me like in an hour and a half, and you set up an appointment for me. Um, do you know something? I don't know, <laughs> you know? And so I go in for the ultrasound and they do all that and they say, you know, we'll get you some information back in a few days. No kidding. I get home, an hour and a half later, they call. Um, we did find something on your thyroid. And so uh, we actually scheduled you for a biopsy. I'm like, wow, you guys are move really fast. <laughs> um, and you know what? Um, I don't like the word biopsy because my mom died from cancer. I know what biopsy means. Um, 
Susie's dad died from cancer. She knows what biopsy means. So when I told her that, I'm like, whew, okay, this will be fun. So we go in, and they stick a needle in you, you know, and they, and they jiggle all around. It's really interesting. And then they grab some of the cell out, and they pull it out. And, uh, and now they don't call in an hour and a half, of course, later, so you can wait and wonder if you have cancer. And um, so I go to my doctor, and he doesn't have the information yet, so he goes in, he calls him right there. And I see him nodding on the phone, or asking all these questions. He hangs up the phone, he comes in to me, and he says, no cancer. Oh, now that's good news. You guys, you know what it's like to get good news? And then he said, and we've checked your carotid artery, and they're totally clean. There's like nothing in there. I said, that's awesome. Man, I went right out and got a Whopper with cheese, you know, and I, <laughs> Sunday, and I did, I just, baby, I'm good to go. I'm healthy. There's good news. And when you get it, man, it's just nothing like it. And what the angel said, you guys, I've got some good news. A Savior, a Savior has been born. And his name is Christ the Lord. What's Christ mean? Christ means the anointed one, the one set apart, the Messiah. And the Lord was a word reserved for God. I got good news, you guys. God is coming down, and he is the Savior of the world. Now, you know what's interesting? When somebody says, hey, I've come to save you, that's really only good news if you think you need to be saved. Do you ever think about that? I, I, Andy and I were talking about this, and I said, I totally had this picture on my How many of you guys like the beach? Any beach lovers? Yeah, everybody loves the beach. And so, you know, I picture myself out on the beach. I'm laying, you know, on this great lawn chair. I've got a good book. You know, I got a drink with one of the umbrellas in it and all that kind of stuff. And you're just laying there. Imagine, just picture that. You're totally at rest. Eyes are closed, enjoying the hot sun. And then, bam, this lifeguard jumps on you and grabs you and puts this thing over side. He grabs you around the neck and drags you to his hut because he saves you. What's going to be your response? You go, what are you doing? I'm fine. Leave me alone. Wait, 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 but I've come to save you. Leave me alone. Totally different than if you're out there swimming and the weeds, the seaweed gets wrapped around your legs and all of a sudden you can't paddle anymore and you start going down. That happened to my brother. I remember looking out and seeing him. Head, you know, going down because he was drowning. See, now, if you're drowning... And the lifeguard runs out and jumps on top of you and puts the life thing around you and grabs you by the neck and pulls you up to shore to his hut. You're like, thank you, Jesus, right? Because you knew what? You needed a savior. See, now, the Jewish people at this time, they knew they needed a savior because they've been run to Roman rule for way too long. And it was very oppressive. So to hear, man, we got a savior. They were like, awesome. Finally, we're going to be free. And they totally missed it, you guys. They totally missed it. Okay. Here's the deal. In America, all over the world, we're totally missing it. We're totally missing why Jesus Christ came. People all over America and all over the world are going to celebrate Christmas, and there's no idea why he really came. Well, he came as a Savior. For what? Listen to what the Bible tells us. In Matthew 1, 21, an angel came to Joseph and he said this to Mary about Mary. He said, Mary will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. 
for sin. The armies of heaven, one time in all of history, broke through to tell the world, told three or however many few shepherds, I got good news, you guys. There's a Savior that's coming to the world, and he's come to save us from our sin. 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul says, here's a trustworthy saying, and it deserves full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world. That's Christmas, right? That's what we're doing. Everybody ready for tomorrow? Okay? Okay. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then we sit there and we go, well, wait, well, well good, you know, glad you guys need that. And, and then we say, well, wait a second, well, well, let's go back to the text. And actually what it said was, um, I've got good news for great joy for who? Oh, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, for all the people. See, that would include you. See, there's this really wild verse in Romans 3.23 that says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, and here's what's wild. Romans 6.23 says, and the wages of sin, what you've earned by sinning, is death. Oh, wait, wait, this is Christmas. Come on. Wait a second, where's the good news? Here's the good news. The wages of sin is death, but, you ready for Christmas? But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Oh, you guys, I love Christmas. I love everything about it. I love the music, the decorations, the food, the friendship, my family tomorrow. I, I love it. But man, I know this right now. I don't know most of you who are here, but at least one time you get to hear the same thing that the angel said to the shepherd. Because it's for all of you, like the shepherd in our story said. I got great news for you. There's a Savior, and it's for you. And you sit there and you go, well, wait a second. Save me from my sin. What's that mean? Well, see, all of us have this nature inside of us that's just been away from God. What sin is, is sin is whenever we don't follow God, whenever we don't love him with all of our heart. Anybody ever struggle with that? Okay, good. This is for you. Sin means we don't love God and we don't love each other and we don't do the things that God wants us to do. And guess what? Every one of us is infected with that disease. Okay, hang here with me. What happens then is if you keep walking away from God, and guess what? You're free to do that. By the way, you're totally free to do that. God gave you that freedom. But you need to understand, if you want to do that, then you will be separated from God. And he's the only one who has eternal life. He's the only one. And so therefore, if you've separated yourself through your sin from the one who gives it, you're going to die. And and this is where Jesus comes in and says, and that's not acceptable to me because you matter to me. (laughs) Every one of you matters to God, so much so that he would come as a savior for you. And then not only to save you from death, you guys, but anybody struggle with sin? Can I just tell you, you know why we're weary and why we're tired and why we're burdened? It's because of sin, either my own or yours. See, it's either my own sin that I'm screwing up with or it's other people who affect us, right? 
And so all of a sudden, we're selfish and our relationships don't work. We're anxious about all the things of this world. And so we, we, we start going to other things to maybe sedate that, that anxiety and the fear that's inside of us. And we start treating each other horribly because we're trying to feel valuable. And I'm only valuable if I'm greater than you are. And the whole world becomes a mess. And Jesus says, I got great news. I want to save you from that. I want to save you from that. And I, and I just, and then, so for me, when I think about Christmas, as somebody who at one point in my life, you know, I ran away from God, maybe like some of you guys, I'm just so glad God runs faster than me. And because, um, and I hope maybe even today, he might run faster than you. Because if he catches you, and again, this is the mystery to me. For some of you, you'll listen to this message and it just, and it won't, it won't hit yet. And I don't understand, but, but I think maybe even today for some of you, you might go, I think I need a Savior. And so here's what happens. The shepherds go, well, who is it? How, how do we know? And he goes in verse, 13, uh, verse 12, he says, well, this will be a sign to you. You'll find a, sh- a baby who's wrapped in clothes and he's lying in a manger. <laughs> So here again, here's what's crazy. Does anybody know what a manger is? I mean, like a lot of us don't. I think, you know, mangers are those cute little things that babies lie in, right, on your crush, on your thing. You know what a manger is? It was a trough where they fed their cattle. And so the shepherds can go, oh, great, the Savior of the world's coming. Where is he? Oh, oh, he's in a trough. I got a sign for you. If you're looking for God, don't look in the high, mighty places. Look in the lowly places. See, this tells us something about our God. Who does he come to? The shepherds. Where is he born? In a trough. What kind of God would do this? A God who wants to get underneath you and serve you and save you and give you life and lift you up. Merry Christmas. I'm telling you. We got a great God. And it's for all the people. It's for every one of you. But you guys, you know the only people who receive this are the humble people. I think that's partly too why he came to the shepherds. Because if you're proud and you don't need it, then you just, and, but if you're humble, and what's so interesting about being humble is um, it doesn't matter what your financial status is. It doesn't matter what your job is. We all, we all know, right? We know people who, who don't make much money, who aren't high in society, who are some of the sweetest, most giving, most kind people, and we also know people who are not in the higher end of society who are really angry and mad people and selfish people, right? And, and we know people, you guys, who, who as well, who make tons of money and who are in the high and mighty, and yet, and they're very proud about making that fact, and they don't give a rip about anybody else. And we know people who are high and mighty who make tons of money who are so humble in heart, and they just give it all away. <laughs> See, it doesn't matter if you have a good life or if you have a hard life. Some people with a hard life are really angry and bitter about that. Other people with a hard life got softened by it. Some people with a great life are so stuck on themselves they don't care about anybody else. Some people with a great life are like so grateful that they give it away. It's just, so here's my point. It doesn't matter who you are today. What matters is your heart. And it, can it be humble to receive this gift that God wants to give us? And I'm telling you, again, and this is what I just, I can't push any buttons. It's so interesting to me. I can't push my own buttons. I'd like to feel God today, you know? 
It doesn't work that way. I'd like for God to show up today and to make himself real to you, to reveal his glory into your heart. And I can't do that either. But I want to remind you that when he comes, like he did 2,000 years ago, and his glory shows up and he starts to work, not in a field, but in your heart, you're going to know it. And so what do we do? If that's happening today, what do we do? Well, what did the shepherds do? Here's what the shepherds did. It says, when the angels had left them and, some, and went into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. You know what the shepherds did? They said, let's go. They hurried off. And then what happened when they hurried off? They found him. They found him. So how's that work here today? Again, I doubt you're going to get an angel. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that make it a whole lot easier? Hey, just bring me an angel. Show me the armies of heaven I'm in. All right? So, but that's probably not going to happen. But again, in your heart, God may be revealing his glory to you. I don't know, but he may be. And if he is, if you're hearing, there's a savior for you then I got to tell you, you have to go see for yourself too, just like the shepherds did. Well, how do you do that? <laughs> uh, do, you have, do you hop on a plane and go to Bethlehem? No. What do you do? See, now it's a journey of faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 tells us we walk by faith, not by sight. When Jesus rose from the dead and he came back and his apostles, there was one guy called Thomas who said, hey man, show me the stuff and then I'll believe. And Jesus like, all right, put your hand in my holes in my hand and then stick your hand in my side. And Thomas goes, cool, got it. All right, good, you're Lord and God. And what did Jesus say to him? He said, blessed are you, or he goes, because you have seen me, you have believed. But then he said, but blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. Let me close with this. In John chapter 1, who was one of his disciples, John says this. He came, Jesus came to those who were his own, but his own didn't receive him. Yet to all who receive him and to those who believe in his name, he gives the right to become a child of God. I just wanted today to make sure that you would know that when the angels came 2,000 years to some shepherds, to say a Savior has been born. In 2008, the Holy Spirit comes and he goes right to your heart and he reveals the glory of God. And then what you need to do is simply believe that it is true and then you need to receive him into your life by faith. And he says, if you do that, then I come in and you will never be the same again. And I don't know. I just thought that I just wanted to throw that out there that maybe today some of you might feel the glory of God in your heart. And maybe today's a day to respond. Now, just real quick before we end, can I just say, how about for all the rest of us who are followers of Christ, who celebrate Christmas because he is our Lord and our Savior? Can I just give you some really good news? 1 Peter 1, 8, 9. It says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the goal of your faith, 
the salvation of your souls. Can I just remind you, if you've actually went, you said, let's go, and you went to see him, and you put your faith in Christ, you know, even though you've never seen him with your eyes, you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And so, band, come on out. Because what did the shepherds do after they actually went and saw him and they encountered Jesus? You know what they did, right? Then they were like, dude, we got to tell everybody. (laughs) And so they just went out and they spread the news. And then what did Mary do? She sat there. Can you guys just, again, catch this, right? Mary's this teenage girl who gets pregnant and she's never had sex. Whoa. An angel shows up to her too and says, hey, by the way, uh, God's in there. And you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. No big deal. Chill, right? Oh, So Mary's sitting there. She gives birth to this baby. Do you think maybe she was wondering if all that was really true? And then what happens? These shepherds come running in from the field, and they go, you won't believe what happened. Can you imagine how that story must have blessed Mary? See what the scripture says? What'd she do? She pondered the things, and she deeply treasured them. You know what? We're going to worship here. And you know what? For some of us, that's what we need to do this Christmas is just ponder the unbelievable goodness that God has given to us and reflect on that and just soak in it. And then the last thing the shepherds did is it says, and then they went and they praised and they glorified God because everything was just how they said it would be. And that's what we're going to do. You guys, we're going to have a chance to praise our Savior who's given us life. So let's stand. Would you guys stand with me? And, um, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to take our offering as we do this song. Please, if you're visiting, if you came with family or friends, um, you, you feel free uh, to let the bag pass, but for this offering, though, is a chance for those of us who've just received so much gifting from God. It's just a gift back to Him. And if you're ready to give this gift back to Him, then go for it. But before we sing this song, um, I read these words. This is an amazing song. And I'd like to just um, offer you a chance to prepare your heart to really worship, not just to sing songs, but to worship God and to praise Him and give Him glory. If you would close your eyes and bow your head, um, I just want to read these words to you as a prayer. And maybe you can make them the prayer of your heart as we get ready to worship. It says, I am not skilled to understand what God has willed and what he has planned. I only know at his right hand stands one who is my Savior. I take him at his word. Indeed, Christ died to save me. This I read. And in my heart, I find the need of him to be my savior. That he would leave his place on high and come for sinful man to die. You count it strange and so once did I before I knew my savior. Yes, living, dying, let me bring my strength, my solace from this spring that he who lives to be my king once died to be my Savior. Let's worship the Savior of the world.